You're listening to the New Century Multiverse. Steamheart. Chapter 12. Launch Day. From the travel log of Raven, District of Columbia, April 15th, 1883. The assembly for the launch of Steamheart was held at the Smithsonian Institution, located at the southern edge of the developing mall of monuments and federal buildings. A space had been cleared in front of it with a stage and a platform to present the craft, and the people of Washington had started to gather, beginning at dawn, to witness history moving forward, as well as to catch a glimpse of the now legendary vehicle, which had been a key factor in subduing the recent riots. A Gothic revival in Seneca Red Sandstone, the upper floor of the Smithsonian received extensive damage from a conflagration during the Civil War. This blaze claimed, among other items precious to America, the confiscated libraries of Alexandria, Virginia that is, not the ancient Egyptian one which also burned down, and Beaufort, South Carolina, along with over 200 oil paintings of Indians by John Mix Stanley. The whole floor was still being fireproofed years after, because God forbid some smears of paint be taken from us. It was these burned rooms that I paced through in the morning, feeling increasingly agitated regarding my place in all this. I will not publish what I have just written. Pines In the portrait gallery, Dr. Penrose had taken Thomas Arlington aside to ask about Seth, in a way I could not help intruding upon. Jeremy has showed me a rough sketch, and I've been thinking about what might happen should Seth be alerted to our presence and intervene with our progress. You are not to engage him, James. I understand. Captain Oakley is our negotiator under those circumstances. She has the prior connection. And if she is not present, Major Butler, this conversation is over. No, wait. Just prepare me a little more, sir. That's surely not against protocol. What do you want to know? Well, what was he like to converse with? At this, Arlington frowned, likely thinking back to their encounter atop the Capitol building several weeks ago. The best I could describe it, Doctor, would be to say that if a lion could speak and possessed a cunning, a wisdom, a philosophical perspective, and a forceful will that were as intimidating as his physical frame... That would be something akin to a conversation with Seth. The director's eyes were far away. And he can tell when you are lying. So nobody may even attempt that. Oakley knows this full well. I dream of being close to him. A visitor from another world. I mean, something that can talk back to us way beyond the Wendigo. Think of what we could learn. I try to put it in very rational terms. But there is something uncanny and disarming about him. Couple that with his manticore and their capacity to survive and heal swiftly from grievous injury. This is not a being we can afford to anger. Every endeavor must be made to keep him satisfied. We will. After we parted company, Donald took me aside. Here you are. He pushed a package into my hands. I unwrapped it and found a beautiful, oversized, leather-bound journal. It's... it's better made than the standard-issue ones. 
and have written a few words of encouragement in the margins, here and there. I clutched it to my chest. Thank you so much. I'll treasure it. Don't read them until you're out on the road. He cautioned before wrapping his strong arm around my shoulder, gently pressing his forehead against mine. I meant what I said. Don't do anything I'd say was stupid, unless it's really worth it to you. I want you back your life in a few months. I promise I'll behave as though you were standing next to me the whole time. I kissed him reassuringly. Truth. I marched into the reception room where Team Steam had assembled. The two soldiers helping me laid down the trunk they were carrying and opened it up at my bidding. What's all this stuff? I knew she was going to be the first to speak. This is all of you, I announced, holding up a poster with various beautifully drawn portraits adorning it. This is the version of you we're putting out to the world. When people are down, when they're scared and divided, when they want to curl up and die because things have gotten so bad, how the hell else are we going to pick them back up again? We give them heroes. Penrose reached past me and picked up one of the small novelettes. The Dashing Doctor. This is from those interviews we conducted. Many people rushed forward and snatched at the trove of goodies I had brought. You turned our life stories into dime novels? From an early age, Abby the Adventurer was a heartbreaker. Leaving young gentlemen all over the South, pining for her luscious lips. This is at best a quarter truth, truth. It was important that men saw you as a woman they could make their wife, not the truculent, unfeminine scrapper you seem so intent on convincing the world you are. Whatever truculent means, if it's good, I'm that. It's not good. Some people are already calling you Abby the Crabby. (laughs) Accurate though it may be, we wanted to position you as an intrepid adventurer going out on the trail. Someone exciting for people to warm to. Someone they might want to be, as well as marry. I fixed her with a solemn look and kept all traces of irritation from my voice. Like it or not, Sergeant, these books are an emissary that will warm people you will likely never meet to an ideal version of you. Then I'm keeping this, she said, pocketing the book. All of these are for you to keep. It will make the travel pass quicker and you can better understand how to get into character. Check out the trading cards, too. Kids are going to love these. We'll be sending them out to all the cities we've reclaimed so far. You won't just be the talk of the town, but of the nation. Harry Arlington, the Marvel mechanic. My sister read aloud. Who better to pilot this magnificent, miraculous machine than its ingenious inventor? (laughs) Well, who indeed? Thanks, Truth. Agent Jeremy Pines, paranormal zoologist. I think you're being far too generous with our real-life attainments. I'm more of a habitual cataloger of currently baffling occurrences. But you have more of a head for them, and more experience than most other people, right? I suppose I do. Yes. He shrugged and nodded, modestly. For what it's worth, I rather like Major Shershot. Annie unfurled a poster depicting her as Miss America, a rifle-toting cowgirl hero, and suppressed a smile. I told you that would look good in the end. It does. Just, uh, just a lot to live up to. Thank you for doing all this, Truth. No problem, Captain. 
Oh, and before you move on, you have a visitor. There's still a little time before we get this show on the road. Annie. I entered the reception room, and my mouth fell open. Sarah Ellen? Hey there, Captain Phoebe Ann Moses Oakley, my sister said, beaming over at me. I crossed the distance between us. I can't believe you're here. Well, Baltimore isn't that far away, so I requested the time off when we found out about the expedition over there. I looked her up and down. She was in a clean and pressed nurse's uniform. There were age lines forming on her face already, and I saw a tress of silver in her chestnut hair. She was only 26 years old, but already appeared to have lived two lifetimes. It was a long way from that infirmary, but it seemed as though she had never left. How's Frank? He's fine. We're, we're both kind of bouncing off the walls right now. I'll bring you to meet him. You ever thought about taking his name? Being Annie Butler? Nah. That was the name that I picked for myself. I reckoned it was too much a part of me to give up just because that was the done thing. Seems like an awful lot of things that were done are getting undone now. I'll say. Women in the army, women leading soldiers. Quite unlike how we envisioned our futures as gentle ladies. Well, I never expected to adjust my way of thinking quite this much either. But there was a call, and we answered. Too many of the jobs that men were needed for, and not enough men left alive. It's our time, Sarah Ellen. Look at you, though. I saw some posters as I came in, and it looked like you just walked off the billboards. Well, thank you. No, I mean it, Annie. She gestured to my navy, red, and white getup. You look like America wants to feel. I wish I felt it. She moved in closer. You're scared? Terrified. You're gonna inspire, Annie Oakley. She said firmly, taking my hands. It's what you were born for. And I have faith that no matter how scared you are, you can do this. I embraced my sister tightly. My shoulders shaking. Thomas. Agent Butler and I searched for Raven, eventually locating him in the crowded, newly opened Hitching Post Saloon across from the launch platform. He was sat in a corner upstairs, a half-drunk bottle of whiskey on the table next to an empty glass. Still ideologically opposed to the public consumption of alcohol, I contained my spike of fury as I drew up a chair and sat down all the time aware of the danger surrounding us. I caught wary looks from the other drinkers and shuffled my shoulders within my armor. Agent Butler remained silent yet vigilant and leaned against the wall beside me, his coat drawn back and the handle of his pistol glinting. Shall I get you two glasses? said Raven. What the actual fuck are you doing in here less than an hour from the ceremony? I'm exercising my right as an American and I'm using my free time while I have it. Hell, I don't know if they're going to have good stuff out there on the trail. I shall get another one of these to take with me. 
I leaned across and snatched both bottle and glass out of his hand. A look of fury crossed his face. That is mine, shit eyes. Make a choice, right now. I ordered, slamming it back onto the table, then pouring him a glass. Drink that, and you're off the team. And I don't care what I said about needing you at the post to keep us in check. I'll have you fucking banished. Or? Or leave it. Pull yourself together and let's get you a little wake-up juice so you can perform your function on Steamheart. You just try to get a better writer than me to document this fool's errand. Just try it, you pigfucker! You have 52 minutes. I'll get Pines to do it. I'll send truth if I have to. You need my impartiality. Not as much as I need you sober. Whatever you're scared or angry about, we no longer have time to deal with it. You are either going or you're not. I will go. If you have a drink with me. Here and now. No. I don't drink from open bottles and my trust in you just plummeted. I'm not even drunk. I felt in my pocket and threw something down on the table. What's that? It's your trading card. Reporter Raven. That's your title, your post, and your charge. Pick it up. Slowly, he dropped his finger down upon it, drew the card in, and studied the pencil image of himself. Now that flinty-eyed bastard looks like he can handle anything. Can you write accurately and keep the public informed on what we do? Yeah. Will you be unflinching in your assessments? Yes. And can you trust any other two-bit writer in this city to do half as good a job as you? No. Then your path is clear. A crooked smile drew across his aged lips as he examined the card. Then he straightened up and stood. All right, Caesar, my pen is yours. I'm done with this piss water. Where's that wake-up juice you speak of? James. I sat with Annie beside Steamheart as the final checks were being performed. What does she remind you of? A Nautilus on wheels. Oh, thank you so much. I thought it was just me. You like that book? 20,000 Leagues? It's one of my favorites. I left my personal copy of it back at Weirwood. Do you think we might call in on the way down south? I was joking, of course, but she regarded me with interest. I do think you should go back there. Not on government business hours, but you'll get a break soon. Definitely if we do well enough on the road. It will be strange for me. I don't get nostalgic for the past like Abigail. I always like to push forwards and on to better things. Like where we are today. I smiled at the captain broadly, happy to feel that what I was saying was true. You're a futurist. We turned back to the wondrous machine before us drinking in the sight of her. Thomas appeared with Butler and took me aside. I just pulled out journalist out of a saloon. He was three sheets to the wind. Drunken Raven? Yes, he was. This concerns me very much. Is he off the team? You know what, Penrose? We don't have time to find a new guy, so I'm going to leave that one up to you. Me? You're a doctor. You can tell whether he's in control of his faculties while you're out there. If he falls apart and makes himself the weak link in this party, then I grant you full authority to pronounce him medically unfit for service. 
You will then confiscate his writings in entirety and leave him at the next settlement you find. And if no settlement is available, leave him by the side of the road. I don't care. I won't have him endanger this. That's a death sentence. There is so much more at stake here than one inebriated old coot. I couldn't argue this point and nodded gravely. You can trust me, Director. I hope so. Sir, there was another thing I've been wanting to talk to you about, I said, glancing around. It regards something I found in a cave in West Virginia last year. I've been doing some research since then, and now that I have your attention, I was wondering if I could present you with a theory, and perhaps make some suggestions regarding what to do about it. Thomas was clearly distracted, but he remained focused for the time I needed him. Go ahead, son. We talked quietly out of earshot of anyone else for a full fifteen minutes. I got the answer I expected. Butler. After he spoke to James, I followed Thomas out to the area behind the stage and caught him staring through the scaffold at the assembling crowd. It's going to be quite a send-off after all. Hmm... You're thinking about all the things that could go wrong, aren't you, sir? I never stop. It's a problem. Of mine, I know. But a personal problem everyone else benefits from. I'll tell you someone who has something similar, though, sir. Harry. It's different for her. She's problem-solving all the time. She's not living in the... She's not... She's not experiencing the worst in advance of it. I looked the man up and down, and for the first time I felt a pang of genuine pity. My terrible responsibility to James came back to me from where I had been holding it at a comfortable distance, daily, and I began to truly understand what it was like to live with obsession like this. Well, she's lost a lot of sleep in the past few weeks, sir. You overworked her. She overworked herself. She's 19 years old, nearly 20. She's an adult. My returning look to this was skeptical, so he pressed his point. I saw the benefit of her working so hard over this period. It has allowed her to catch situations you would encounter out on the road far from help and intercept them ahead of time. Her mind is perhaps your greatest asset. I'm aware of that, sir, which is why I started learning to drive steam hard in the first place. She needs someone she can trust at the helm so that she can rest. He turned this over in his mind for a moment, and then did something I had not expected. He strode over, clasped my hand firmly in his, and shook it, smiling. I had never seen his face do this. Frequently with sarcastic derision, yes, once or twice with a melancholy affection in response to Sarah or his daughters, but here he smiled broadly at me with warmth and faith. You're a good man, Frank. I trust you to do the right thing. And with that, he walked away. Sarah. I found Abigail up on the rooftop, looking out over Washington as the street below us filled up with excited citizens. Do you like what we did with the place? I never saw it before the Wendigo came. I never left my hometown. But from what I know of the shit that went down here, 
You folks have done pretty great. Thank you, Abigail, I said, and stood beside her, looking out towards the Capitol building, the lawn in front still recovering from the assembled army that had been there just a few weeks ago. I've got some news before you go that I think you're going to like. Oh? Yes. It's about a position we're looking to fill at the NIA. A pretty high up one. Me? Not yet. But put a pin in that for later. Who then? A lady whom we think will be able to use a measure of influence to help us win back a little goodwill. Truth? No, she's staying with the White House. Though we have offered. It's someone close to you. Tabitha Chorley? From the handbook? No. Although, she's one of the contacts on your mission plan. She is? Yes. She's Agent Z, in Missouri. I take it you're excited for another autograph? Uh, no, I got hers already last year. She's, a uh, we're friends. I did not know that. So I'll get to meet her again? <laughs> Something to look forward to. But this is someone else from your past. Oh, shit! Catherine? Correct, Sergeant Gray. I've invited her here for interview, and if successful, she can help us rebuild America. Considering her history, she's more than qualified in the organizational and leadership departments. I will absolutely vouch for her on both of those counts and about a hundred others. Oh, you have good taste, Sarah. Excellent choice. Why, thank you. <laughs> I figured you'd like it. No promises, of course. The candidate has to be right for the job. She'll be right. I'm going to miss you, Abigail. Come back safe, and you, me, and God willing Catherine can spend some time together, formulate some ideas. I would love that. She smiled. And together we looked out over Washington with a galvanized sense of hope. go. It starts small, like, like a little match being struck inside my belly. But then, then it becomes like a firework. And, and pretty soon, I'm engulfed. I'm not safe in the wild. I don't, I don't know what's out there. And I don't want to know. I know my workshop. I know Steamheart. And I want to keep her here with me. Let them go in Steelborn. Major Butler tells me it would take all year to get there in that great lummox of a craft. I laugh despite myself. James tells me they need my creation, and they need me at the wheel. Annie. Annie tells me I can do this. And my mother is there. And she's trying not to cry, and she's saying I should definitely go. And, and my father is there too, and, and he agrees with her. And, and this should be remarkable, but after that, after that I'm somewhere, somewhere else. else. I'm in a forest, forest. While, trees while trees get chopped, get chopped down, down by invisible woodsmen. And everything, and everything is, calm is calm and peaceful and moves smooth and fast. fast. And I'm and in I'm no in danger. danger. And I'm and about, about to arrive at the total, at the total amount, amount of wood. wood. We will, we will need, need to, burn, to burn, for the miles, miles we'll, we'll have, have to, cover. to cover. When Abigail, Abigail is close, is close to, to me, she's holding my hands. She's holding my hands, 
and tell me that this is a job only I can do. And I still feel peaceful. And her eye looks so green and vivid and beautiful. And I'm back. Abigail. Thomas and Sarah gathered around Harry. We love you so much, honey. I couldn't be prouder. You are our brave girl. And you're going to accomplish wonders. I couldn't stop thinking about my mom and dad. And I caught my breath. Was I about to cry? I breathed slowly and backed away from the Arlingtons, tilting my head as if to examine what was going on in there. And... Nothing. Not one tear. Not even a sniff. I will never not be broken if this didn't move me. I looked at James as Truth crossed over to be close to her family at this pardon. I'll come home. Harry's voice was quiet, but assured. There's something about that girl that I like, deeply. And while I, I want to protect her, I'm far more interested in knowing what makes her tick. Steamheart emerged from behind the Smithsonian and drove slowly towards the mounted platform where Thomas, Sarah, and Truth waited. The hatch opened and we stepped out, one at a time, to be introduced to the sea of cheering faces. The band was playing Battle Hymn of the Republic, and I watched Annie, knowing full well her experiences in Ohio that had resulted in disaster preceded by this song. Her eyes went to the rooftops, on which stood many scouts and snipers from Silent Company. The row of soldiers before us grimly scanned the throng for signs of violence. Annie stepped up to the podium and against all expectation launched into the same persona she had displayed when we had first met, cheery and charming, projecting her voice out over the periphery, aided by great amplification engines which Tesla and Edison had provided. The clamor died down as she spoke, and most of the audience hung upon her every word. But I had noticed some furious-looking men near the back who were having to be silenced by nearby guards. It was then that I realized we were entirely surrounded by troops. Thomas and Sarah clearly wanted this to go by without a hitch. How are y'all doing today? Annie inquired. The cheering erupted once more and she beamed at them. I'm just going to go on a little trip with my good friends here, but we will be back soon with all sorts of stories for you. How about you give a big old round of applause for Steamheart? Ain't she a beauty? The cheers were now accompanied by clapping. And now, for our crew. Abby the Adventurer. James, the Dashing Doctor. Harry, the Marvel Mechanic. Pines, the Paranormal Zoologist. Raven, the Roving Reporter. And my beloved husband... Major Sure Shot Butler. The commotion went on as the photographers began snapping away, flashbulbs going off like firecrackers. 
The others began to file back into the hatch again, but I couldn't resist twirling around in my new improved bulletproof coat and flexing my arms. Somehow the cheering got even louder. I was a star. I ran back to Annie and cried out into the voice amplifier. And the biggest hand for our own Miss America. Annie bowed as we stood beside one another, basking in this adulation. In another few minutes, we were back on Steamheart, and she was rolling past the Washington crowds, now numbering in the thousands, with reams of ticker tape showering down upon us from the windows. I had never expected for everything to feel as grand and hopeful as it did at that point. Fears were a distant memory. We were doing something right. been listening to episode 12 of Steamheart, Launch Day, written and directed by Alexander Shaw. Abigail Gray, performed by Sharon Shaw. Annie Oakley and Harry Arlington, performed by Loretta Saylor. Frank Butler, performed by Spencer Lieb. Truth Arlington, performed by Theo Lee. Sarah Arlington, performed by Maureen Foley. James Penrose, Raven, and Thomas W. Arlington, performed by Alexander Shaw. Jeremy Pines, performed by Matt Wardle. Donald McTavish, performed by Derek Ritchie. And a special appearance from Haley C. McCarthy as Sarah Ellen Mosey. Where the West Begins, composed by Ferenc Hegedus of Shockwave Sound. Battle Hymn of the Republic, composed by William Steff, James E. Greenleaf, C.S. Hall, and C.B. Marsh. Semper Fidelis, composed by John Philip Sousa. All this, Long Road Ahead, Pepper's Theme, Rights, With the Sea, Prospector Theme, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Many soundscapes provided by Tabletop Audio. Our $15 patrons get sponsor credit every episode, so a big thank you to Joel Robinson, Abel Savard, Michael Hasco, Matthew A. Seibert, Benjamin Biddle, Joseph Gluck, Sean Doran, Kevin Otero, Luke Hatfield, Nick Ord, Duran Barnett, Tom Painter, Finbar Nicol, Jameis Enright, Mark Lush, Dan Mayer, Joe Crow, Chris Finnick, Toby Jungius, Dave Hickman, Aaron Lecluse, Kieran Datchler, and Lorraine Chisholm. On this same day, at this same time, across the Atlantic, some three weeks before the events of the Princess Thieves, Robin and Oberon broke into the backyard of Captain Ambrosius Baltus 
and stole a large garden gnome made partly of gold, which had been seized from various London museums and melted down. This brazen theft caused Baltus to fire his housekeeper, Claudette. On discovering this, Robin felt very bad about the knock-on effects of his actions. He left several gold pieces in Claudette's back garden to tide her over until she could find a new situation with a less tyrannical master. <laughs>